You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, bringing together the best technical leaders to talk about the industry, passions and challenges that they're facing. I'm Abby Stokes. I help businesses connect with tech talent and I'm your host for today's episode. Today, I'm joined by Pierre Lemur, Cole Bittle, Tobias Sostian and Marcello Cirillo to discuss the journey to engineering manager. Before we get into the questions and topic in a bit more detail, we'll work our way around with some introductions. So Pierre, would you like to kick us off? Sure. Hi, Abby. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm a a French uh, guy, 35 years old, and I'm living in Stockholm for like five years with uh, uh, my uh, partner and our three children. so a busy life, but uh, work related. Uh, I used to, I studied uh, computer science and, and got a, a master degree in France before working as a Java programmer uh, for uh, many years. And uh, it's only when I moved to Sweden, so like five, six, six years ago, I kind of uh, reoriented towards more uh, CICD, uh, continuous integration, continuous delivery. And uh, shortly after that, DevOps, I worked as a consultant for Diabol, a small Swedish company for like uh, four years. And then lately, uh, two years ago, I joined uh, a digital route for some more uh, management uh, role. And that's what we are to discuss today as a, uh, a DevOps manager at first, uh, managing the, the DevOps team here. And uh, lately also as a head of quality. Uh, so also managing the uh, uh, quality team uh, within uh, within digital route. I guess that's a quick presentation I can give you. Nice. Perfect. Thanks, Pierre. Um, Cole, on to you next. Thank you. Hi, everyone. <clears throat> uh, so I'm Cole Biddle. I'm the SRE team lead at Plio, which is a now mid-size uh, company here in Copenhagen. Uh, I've been managing this team for about a year, and now we are 10 SREs in total. I think I've been here at Plio for about three years, and when I started, I think we were around 80 people in all. So to see this uh, this acceleration and uh, growth has been uh, very educational. Um, outside of Plio, I think maybe uh, the thing that has been most striking in the last couple months is this is the first time that I've been living anywhere for longer than a year. I've been here at uh, Copenhagen for three years and I just am starting to realize maybe this is where I'm going to live for a long time. And it's kind of terrifying. Mm. <laughs> That's me. Nice. Thank you, Cole. Um, Tobias, on to you next. Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm from Sweden myself, born up in the north of Sweden, uh, raised in that little island of Gotland outside of Stockholm. And I've since uh, lived in four different cities uh, abroad outside of Sweden. But now I'm back in Stockholm and I live there with my wife and two boys. My technical career so started back in 96. So I've been coding for 26 years now. Uh, I was still, I was just 12 years back then. Uh, and I was coding some web development and uh, scripting for various programs. So I, I, I found that you could program your games. You can, you can interact. You can interact with the games through code, and then you could get some superpowers. So that was that was a big thing for me. Um, and since then, I've I've had a lot of different companies. We we've been developing games. We've been doing some web agency work, uh, consultations, and freelance. Uh, but since since uh, four to six years back, depending on how you count, uh, I've been at Steam, uh, which is a non-profit organization where we help musicians, people who write music. We help them get paid for their work, basically. 
Uh, and since January, I've been appointed the head of software engineering at Stim. So that's uh, that's why I'm here to talk about my me going from becoming a being a senior developer to being a junior manager. So it'll be interesting to talk about that. Nice, thank you, Tobias. And last but not least, Marcello. Hi, uh, my name is Marcello, and as my name suggests, I'm Italian. I studied and worked in Milan, and then I decided to move to Sweden 15 years ago to take a PhD in computer science and robotics, uh, robotics and classical artificial intelligence. The plan was to stay there for three years and then go back or go somewhere else, and that was 15 years ago. So it didn't pan out as I expected. I live in Stockholm. After working for a few years at university, I decided to try my hand again in the company. And I joined Scania for their autonomous trucks and buses development. So we were working on self-driving cars, basically, or trucks in this case. I started uh, developing prototypes there. Then after a few years, I got uh, appointed manager for a group that was productifying this kind of technologies uh, to, to sell them, in, to, to develop into actual products. And after three years of that, I decided to try something completely new and I went to Klarna, the bank. So now I'm more on the DevOps side. I lead a team that is called Data Ingesting and Streaming. It's been an interesting journey to, to, to do the switch and uh, quite interesting differences, in my opinion. On a personal note, I live in Stockholm as well. Uh, Sambo, and two, Sambo partner and two kids for those that do not speak Swedish. And uh, I love sailing and biking. Nice, perfect. So now we will move on to the topic. And this podcast is going to work slightly different to usual. As you've all suggested, many great questions. So we've selected four of those to discuss today. I will pose each question and then open it up to the floor for you guys to explain further and to actually answer the questions as well. So the first one is, what are your main skills as an engineering manager? And how do you improve and learn these skills as well? I can uh, start here. Um, I think I was thinking about this question uh, a little bit before the podcast. And I think for me, one of the things that I had to develop uh, going into this, going into engineering manager over the last year, is just the ability to listen um, without sort of intent, uh, without the uh, necessity to solve anything, but sort of just to validate the person who is speaking. Um, Because I think it's maybe... Uh, true for everyone, but it's especially true for engineering managers that so many meetings, you can come away feeling somewhat useless that these meetings are long winded and, you know, a 30 minute meeting, you might come out of that and say, what, what the hell did I just learn? Nothing. But sometimes the point of the meeting itself is just to validate the, uh, the other person, the other team, and to kind of understand who they are as opposed to what they need from you. That is very interesting. I, I agree with you in some sort. I, I mean, I remember a colleague of mine that was making was making comments like, oh, now I've done with the meetings, now I can start working. And I got really mad a couple of times at him because I mean, this is part of what you're doing. It's part of listening in and trying to help other people. But this, I think, is also something that you have to learn on a generic perspective. Even if you're a senior developer, then you have to try to help out other people. From an engineering management perspective, I think that one thing that you have to take it one step up, if possible. I don't know if Cole agrees with you, if you agree with me, but you have to start to develop those interpersonal skills so that you can relate with people that you work with and help them how they want rather than how you would like them to work. I like that. That's really good. So 
Yeah, go Tobias. Continue. Yeah, so so one thing I've I've noticed uh, that I feel like I have a superpower now versus before when I was an architect is that now I have month at least monthly meetings with uh, everyone who works with me. And just having these meetings and uh, learning about their perspective and what they're struggling with and what they've learned, I that's really like a superpower because then I just go to my place and I consolidate all of that knowledge and a lot of people are struggling with the same thing. And then we can find one solution and we can help everyone in one go. So yeah, listening is a, is a really, really good one. Yeah, I was also about to agree on that, you know, because I, I could have said exactly that. I feel like, you know, communication is, of course, very important. But, you know, within communication, you know, listening and being attentive. I think being attentive is always, you know, something we can always be better at, especially nowadays with so many things that, you know, shift the focus so i think it's really i like this in i like how we say in english you know pay attention to something because we don't use that in french and i think it really says you know this notion that there is a cost to it you know like it it doesn't come for granted you know and i think it really translates yeah it's really something i developed more and i feel you know that there is still you know still moment where you as you say well you start multitasking or shifting away and it's really something that you know i'm trying to uh, constantly develop and be better at, I guess, uh, yeah, being attentive to people it's, and to details and to everything happening around you overall, I guess. I think there is, oh, sorry, just very quick, there is another aspect that I find quite challenging at the beginning. Now I change completely scope, so I have to learn some of the technical aspects myself. But when you are managing a team that does exactly what's your specialty, you also have to be able to take a step back and not to step in and direct all the details because it's not gonna work. I mean, I've seen micromanagement, it's not pretty and it's not fun for anyone involved. While, I mean, I had to take a few step backs in my previous job because I had done that kind of development before. The research was the part that I was specialized in but you want people to try them for their own. I mean, you're not sure, so you have to really yeah. let them develop for themselves. Sorry, I cut you a call. Oh, no, uh, I mean, what, I, I totally agree. Um, Tobias, you said one thing really interesting there that kind of struck me that has been recurring in the past year. Um, and that's this idea of a superpower and being able to have some introspection into the people's lives that you manage. What I've realized is that of nine people that I manage in, in the meetings that I have with these people in private, I'm learning about their personal life. And yes, that, that is a part of the responsibility of being a manager, but it's also just been really interesting for me to have so much introspection to any one person's personal life, let alone nine people. And it's kind of allowed me to see that, like, I guess we're all kind of dealing with the same crap <laughs> and having so much, uh, introspection, introspection into other people's lives kind of gives me a bit of a gift that I didn't have before in in that level of intimacy, um, just allowing me to navigate my own personal life. I didn't expect I was going to come with a job title, but for me, it personally really has. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I don't know, I think that this is something that not everyone is interested in, but if you want to try this career path, you really need a bit of interest and in trying to get to know the people that you're working with you don't have to be friends with everyone but at least understand what triggers them what helps them and so on or trying at least like total sense, yeah. so i was I, I was thinking about uh, one one other uh, angle of, of this question for so the question was your main skill as a manager and it's it was so tricky to boil it down to one skill because you feels like you're wearing so many hats it's uh 
it's tricky. But the one skill I thought about, and that relates to my background as a as a coach. So on the on the side, I do some coaching as well. Uh, up until March, I, I was a uh, coach within a CrossFit box here in Stockholm, and I think that coaching is a skill that's very applicable on on management. Because within coaching, you have like the planning phase where you think about the, the workout that is coming up and then you have everyone gathering up and you go through the movements, you, you teach them and you, you go through why we're doing this. And then you get to like the actual workout and then it's all about execution and you, you have like the model in your head. This is what it should look like and you identify people who stick out and then you go to them for to, to help them specifically to move better so for me that that analogy at least made a lot of sense for me yeah it does for me too i i uh, used to to do a lot of sport back in the days and still now but so i relate to sport for quite a lot and coaching is definitely one of the area of course building a team is also you know a part of that and building several teams and having this team atmosphere and uh, i really like it yeah, i agree with you tobias on giving feedback it's definitely very important and i think uh it's actually so much easier, you know, in sport context, because, you know, there is no like this, I don't know, maybe it's an ego thing or like, you know, people are very welcoming, you know, you're coaching or you're captaining the team. You can say, hey, that was like real bad. Like, you know, you need to do it this way. <laughs> and know what, you know, and, and there is no problem with that. You can really be blunt in the way you communicate. And uh, and I think, you know, that actually helps me, even if, of course, you, you need to be more uh, political. I think that still helps me to have this fresh mindset that, hey, it's okay to help each other. And, you know, of course, it's also very important for me to do it both ways. So I'm always really trying to acknowledge, uh, you know, success and, and, and good things and positive things. And on the same way, I think that also makes it easier when I see uh, things I would do different. You know, I, I might be wrong, but I, I am trying not to be shy. To give a, to give a, my perspective in some details. Yeah, very good. Nice. We'll move on to the second question now, and it is: How do you balance the responsibilities of the role? That is also a very good question. I mean, uh, and again, it's personally I think there is not a single answer, and uh, I hope that my team will appreciate, uh, will agree with me that I try at least, but I try to put the team first. I think that personnel. Usually you have to balance between personnel, product and process and personnel, I think, is the one that I resonate most with, because I think that you cannot achieve the other two if you don't have a good relationship with the team, if you do not understand them and if you do not have a team that works towards certain goals, then obviously you have to balance that with the product and what you're producing and the deliveries that you have to guarantee and so on. Um, I might be a little bit wanting on the process side because I, coming more from a research background, I'm not so much of a sticker for procedures, but uh, um, yeah, I think that personnel would be the, the, the foremost uh, responsibility, as I feel it at least. When, Abby, you've, you've asked the question here, how do you balance your responsibilities here? And I think the one, my mind immediately shifts to what are my responsibilities? And I would also like to ask everyone else this as well. I mean, I feel like uh, as in any given day, my my responsibilities are shifting left and right, depending on how the company needs. And uh, oftentimes those th that week, one week looks very different from the previous week. Um, if I had to define those responsibilities, it would be pretty loose. And I would actually just like to hear, I mean, not to redirect your question completely, Abby. <laughs> but I would also love to hear, Marcella, you gave a little bit of an example of process and and personnel. 
um, and product. Um, yeah, with- the way I see it, Cole, I mean, in the end, what I see is you have different tasks and different moments. So you obviously you have different things that you have to deliver or different personal responsibilities in doing tasks or attending different meetings, whatever, according to the necessities of the company. But in the end, um, in engineering, you have to deliver something. Might be a prototype, might be a piece of software, it might be DevOps maintenance. And this is what I would classify generically as product. Then obviously it might be a different product. I mean, I worked with teams that had completely opposite products. And one thing was like something that may be useful in the future. And the other one, if this breaks, it's going to be a catastrophe for the company. Um, But at the same time, I don't see this as a very big shift in responsibilities. It's just like difference in the application. I don't know if, do do you, (laughs) is it something that you think makes sense or am I completely way off? (laughs) No, no, I think, yeah. Please, yeah, I think it makes sense. I, I really, I actually, I think it goes together what you said because I totally recognize what uh, uh, Cole said about having totally different weeks every week. You know, and uh, and that's something I love. You know, I think you know, I, I I think there is no like such a thing as routine. You know, in in these jobs, and uh, uh, for me that's very exciting. But I think the classification you made, Marcelo, with product related things uh, makes total sense, and people things, and I tend to agree with the prioritization you made as well with having people first. I, I would always do the same. But then when it comes to product, as Cole said, sometimes it's so many different, you know, so many, everyone is pulling you in different direction. And I definitely, I mean, balancing is always a challenge. I always try for me, like the small things I try, you know, to think because it's always a lot. I always try to, in terms of, you know, seeing what, what's urgent and try to get away from emergency tasks and always to write by what's important, you know, it's urgent, sure, but is it really important? And, you know, that sometimes uh, help me to feel better about, you know, denying or at least pushing back some urgent things. <laughs> yeah, I want to add one thing to Cole's uh, question there. But first, to, to answer Abby's questions, like how do you balance your re- uh, responsibilities? My first response was, I don't. Like, I feel like I'm constantly <laughs> out of balance <laughs> with my responsibilities. But I guess that's uh, on for the par as well. But uh, to m- maybe it doesn't answer Cole's question about what responsibilities mm-hmm. you have, but something that I read uh, relatively recently uh, that helped me like identify this is. I think it was Manager's Path, the book, really good read, uh, was that you're, you're, you have different teams as a manager and your primary team it might intuitively, you might intuitively think that that is your reports. Like for me, it would be the programmers here at Steam. Uh, but actually, that's just one of my teams. So my primary team instead is, is the other managers that I collaborate with and their teams. So thinking about it, like lifting it that way and thinking of the other managers on, on, on my level, that they are my primary team, that helps me identify and like lift my lift my gaze a little bit and identify the responsibilities that I have to help like for the common uh the common good, the common goal of the organization. And how do you, uh, then I can, I have a question for you, Tobias. I am also hijacking the podcast because I'm on a very similar situation. And I think one of the challenge of this type of teams, uh, it's very different, you know, different background and different uh, assignments and responsibilities with this type of other managers. How do you collaborate together on such various topics? I mean, you have to... I don't know. I'm still very junior in this position, but what what I've been trying to do at least is like you you have you have to see it at different levels. So at one level you're talking to the other managers and you're seeing like 
on a on an abstract way what are we trying to accomplish and then you take that back to your team of developers or uh, SREs or what you're working with and you try to make that more concrete and then you have to shift between those different levels to, to make things go forward and happen that's very interesting Tobias because I always consider the other way around for me I mean yeah me too yeah I mean I've been in management obviously you're always in a management group of some sort when you're an engineering manager with your colleagues are that more or less are in your section or whatever you want to call it your unit but for me the main responsibility has always been with the people that reported to me and this is I, I because I think that it's my main responsibility to make them a unit that actually is useful for the, the company of course but also as a unit for themselves I mean the, the last thing that I want is someone saying I don't like this job anymore I'm gonna leave and this is my major I mean it might happen. I change job myself, so I'm not gonna hear. I'm not here to judge anyone. But at the other side, I really would like to keep people. Uh, that, that doesn't make sense. I don't know. I, for me, it's slightly different in that sense. It doesn't I mean they're unloyal to the other manager. No, exactly. I mean they're they're not mutually exclusive. It's just uh, to see some kind of hierarchy in it. And yeah. I mean, as a manager, you I think you also need to exclude yourself a little bit from the group that you're managing, so that they can gel together and become a coherent unit on their own. Mm, very, I really think, and sorry for hijacking this question, I really think it depends from the company. Like, if, for instance, right now I'm in the situation in which, by design, the engineering manager is very much embedded into the team. Uh, while previously, in my previous company, that was a bit different. I, I had, I mean, they were all reporting directly into me, but I had basically three, one to three teams according to how I divided them. And there were product one product owner that managed the daily tasks, so it was a bit more separate. And those, so it depends, I think. But yeah. oh, I mean, we went very much around with your question. And <laughs> did we actually say anything that you thought about? <laughs> I'm I'm just hiding in a corner here, quiet. Um, <laughs> no, I think I mean, looking at Abby's initial question of how do you balance it. Um, I, Tobias, I think uh, I'm a little bit in similar shoes. You know, I'm, I, I guess I just take, uh, take the needs of, of either of these uh, directions, either the, the people I'm reporting to or uh, that are reporting to me or the people that I'm reporting to um, and uh, just kind of understand what the highest urgency is or attempt to understand. Um, in some cases, there, there are things happening within the team that must be prioritized because their happiness is at stake, their happiness within the company or their personal happiness. Uh, and that, for me, I think that is almost always going to take priority over the direction of or the misdirection of the team. If, if they are working on something that isn't the top priority of the company, and yet it is improving their, their happiness within the company, I am most likely going to prioritize that thing. Um, but for me to balance those things is, uh, Abby, there's no, I have no <laughs> good answer to that. Yeah, I guess. Uh, listening, I guess, would be the only thing I could say. Tobias had the right answer, I guess, the, 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 the most honest answer, because that's true. You know, I could relate. I don't either. So uh, what I answer is more how I try to balance responsibilities. <laughs> I think that's more honest. But but I can say, I mean, I, we didn't mention that, but I work very closely with, with my CTO in, in my case, and I think he's doing a tremendous job on having clear priorities, even if, as you said, Cole, they might change from one week to another, and there's that's okay, there's no hard feeling, you know, we, we totally understand that, but at least, you know, on the day-to-day, -day, I, I can have quite clear, clear priorities from him, and that also helps me 
to, to relate. Nice. I always like when I ask a question and you ask several more questions. <laughs> it's always the way. I love it. Um, but we will go on to the third question now. So you, you will ask, how do you work with your team to achieve the common goal and maintain motivation? That's a trick question, right? Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> I guess we talked, I mean, Tobias mentioned about sport, you know, and I think here it's also, you know, definitely one of the things, you know, that I connect with a lot, you know, having like a unity and teamwork and and you know uh so goal is very important and and i think you know i i would say transparency for me is, is really the way you know uh to to have people gathering uh behind this goal and to unit together and i guess uh, where i work and honestly everywhere i worked in in sweden you know i think uh, as an engineer in the company and even more as an engineering manager but even as an engineer you have possibility to adjust this goal i think you know there's there, i've never seen you know it's really this top-down approach and it's maybe not bottom up but at least everyone has a word to say on what is this goal me included you know so i think if i manage you know to have a goal that i'm really excited about i mean then it's such an easy job as a manager to get people you know excited about something that i am sincerely excited myself about i uh, i really like what you're saying there and i think there's a, a piece of me that takes that one uh, little angle further there there's sometimes when i'm if if we have a common goal within the company or or maybe a more technical common goal that we need to accomplish within the team that has been handed down to me um, if i'm really on board with this goal it's very easy i think to for me to evoke that emotion and bring excitement to the team to accomplish this goal. What's been a challenge for me over the last year is something that I never experienced as an individual contributor, which is when I'm handed an objective or a technical piece of work that I don't agree with. What is my level of transparency and honesty with my team? And where is the balance between that and understanding the characteristics of what I've read in so many books, which is your team's not going to be motivated if you're not motivated. Uh, so, so faking that level of motivation uh, clearly, that's the that's the um, the middle path that I've been trying to that I've been struggling with in some of the more uh, yeah. technical choices that we've made lately. I'm not, I'm not sure it's a good. Uh, sorry, Marcelo. Yeah, no, 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 go, go, I was go, go, go. about to say quickly. I'm not sure it's a good answer to that. But sometimes this concept that Tobias mentioned earlier about having two teams, you know, like the team of your direct report and the team of other manager, sometimes helps me a bit with that because you know, with other manager, there you can you know truly express you know your disagreement potentially uh, on the case you suggest call and and then i think then it's important to leave it within that group you know and to be as a unit you know when you uh, share the message and i think you still have a room you know to express and ventilate which probably helps me you know at least it, <laughs> you know with my emotional you know uh, characters at least it helps me to ventilate and express somewhere I think that actually your your point is very well put, Cole, but it's more nuanced than that because it's not like, oh, that's great, or this is something that I completely disagree with. There is a lot <laughs> in between, like for instance, like I don't I am not enthusiastic about this thing, but I see the value in it for everyone else. So let's try to get motivated. And uh, as opposed to like, I really do not agree with that. And to be fair, I'm pretty good at lying. So in that in, in that in those situations, so I'd rather be like, guys, I do not agree with that either. I know that it's been requested. Let's do it and let's vote. It does happen a couple of times, especially in my pre. Okay, I wouldn't say, but yeah, fine. Okay, especially <laughs> in my previous job, that's something goes down. I was like, 
I really don't agree with that, guys, but let's try to make the best out of it. And then one thing that I try to do is that if there is something that doesn't resonate with the team, that they are not enthusiastic or particularly on board with, is try to figure out a way to alternate more rewarding tasks with tasks that are not particularly nice. Like this is going to be done. And then the next step is going to be something that we like more. Um, I mean, I guess that all of us know the concept of innovation sprint, um, something like that. Like if we are going through a patch that we really don't like, let's try to do something that we think is worth it. Allocate the time and make sure that this is okay. There is a concept before asking for Tobias for his take on that. Is there's a concept at Klarna? They say let the, one of the values, the, the, the leadership principles, is let the team shine. And I think that this is very, very important. So one way, in my opinion, to motivate the team is once something nice has been achieved that we believe is nice, show it as much as possible. Motivate by yeah, you have to show it to the rest of the company that we have done something amazing. You are, you guys did it please present it to the rest of the organization so that everybody understands it. I think personally, when I was a, a, an individual contributor, this was very rewarding for me. Like, yeah, thank you. I appreciate, I believed in that. I'm happy to present it to everyone else and to be a little bit of a peacock if possible. Yeah, that's very good. So I, I don't think I have a lot to add here because I feel very, very fortunate to not have anything that I disagree with. Uh, <laughs> Having been mounted uh, down to me. Wait, I think, yeah. One, one we're all going to work at Steam. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we are hiring. So. <laughs> no, but um, I, I feel also one part of my role here is to say no to my my, my managers and my bosses. Uh, like I, I am closer to the ground than they are, so I will know better about specifics. Yes, as my developers are closer to ground, they know more about the specifics than I do. So I hope that they will tell me no, just as I will tell my managers no when I feel that this decision is bad. But I, I'm still fortunate enough to not have been put in the situation where I have to do something that I disagree with. So Nice. And we'll move on to our fourth question. And the question is, does the engineering manager role change depending on the company or the industry? Uh, Marcello, I think this one was yours. Yes because yeah i mean i can start with that elaborating a little bit because i noticed very many different styles i mean i think that everybody in this room is more or less uh, technical to begin with i've seen also people that were in engineering manager positions that were not engineering engineers to begin with um and some companies prefer this kind of approach like a generic manager that is very good with personnel but not maybe so into the technical details but it depends very much from the kind of task that they cut off for the engineering manager. Uh, personally, I do like to be more on the technical side because it allows me to understand better what the team is doing and try to help them out a little bit more. But I did notice a quite marked difference. I mean, um, more than the company, for maybe even more than the company is the kind of context. When I was in research and development, the kind of management that was necessary was very different from the one that we have now in DevOps, not only because the outcome is very different, like something that might be useful versus if this breaks, the company is going to lose millions by the day. Um, so it's, um, yeah, the kind of focus, attention, and the kind of skill sets that you can move from one role to the other are 
interesting to me. Um, I would have never liked to take two steps at a time. Like I became engineering manager of a team that I understood in terms of technology wise. Uh, but then I was ready once I was confident with the personnel development and so on then I was ready to move a little bit outside my comfort zone also technology-wise. That's more or less how, how I thought about that. Um, but uh, it's a very broad thing, and I don't know how your experience is for you guys. Did you all just jump into the management position of what you were a specialist in? That's yeah. true for me. Yes. I was, uh, yeah, okay, all three yes, of us same then. Same for me. And, right? and I can really to jump on something else. <laughs> no, I can. I, I mean, I can relate. I, I can comment on that, Marcelo, because as I said on the introduction, you know, that was true when I started to work as a, a DevOps architect and DevOps manager. But now I also work as head of quality and I'm not a, a best test automation engineer myself. So I can say it's, it makes things much more challenging to me, you know, uh, because then uh, uh, I don't know if it's, a, you know, a good or bad thing, but I really have this need to understand things, you know. And uh, and I you know I ask questions a lot and I can be uh, frustrated with myself if I don't understand and that that takes me a lot of time when it comes to you know technology or you know frameworks that I have never worked myself as a developer but uh, yeah I have no 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 good answers you know I'm uh, yeah th that's what learning is and as you said being out of your comfort zone I guess but yeah do you think it was easier for you to switch to the quality side? once you had a little bit of experience in the other role yeah that, that's that's a good question probably so probably so i i yeah i guess so so throughout the, these nine months where i that when i've been working as a manager I've, I've read a lot of books trying to understand the profession and one thing that's recurring is that they keep saying that you really need to have a technical background for a lot of reasons, uh, like to get buy-in from your reports so that you know, they can respect you and so that you understand and can coordinate work better and so on. And I think it can definitely give you an edge. Uh, and, and like you uh, like you said, Marcelo, that you might you don't want to take two steps. You don't want to go into a manager position as well as an engineering position if you're coming from a completely different uh, background. But here at Steam, we have a lot of really good uh, product managers who are not very technical and they are very respected and they are very good at prioritizing work and, you know, they, they do a great job, uh, even though they don't, they haven't ever written a line of code in their, in their lives. So I think there's definitely a benefit to it, but not maybe a requirement. And to be clear, I have met engineering managers that were actually very, uh, very good, even if they were not engineers to begin with. What's your take on that, Cole? <laughs> I, was, I was. I just. I, I think what you guys have said is uh, exactly how I feel as well. Um, the, I think if I were going to start in uh, as an engineering manager, having that level of baseline technical experience in the team that I had in five years prior was was completely necessary. Um, and then in those prior five years, I had always had an engineering manager who was who had moved from that field that I was in to managing me. And my experience in the past has always been wonderful with my managers. So if any of them are listening, all of my previous bosses, you're you're all wonderful. Um, and then here at Plio, for, for the last year, I've been doing energy engineering management as obviously, and for the first time we hired someone who was not a developer, hasn't written a line of code in 20 years, and has just been doing management for those uh, for the last 20 years. And this person was gonna be my boss. And as this was beginning to happen, I was thinking, oh crap, uh, I might have some issues here. I've never 
been in the situation that I'm about to be in. But it turns out he's wonderful. Also, like <laughs> I, I think, uh, I think it's certainly possible to become an engineering manager, uh, especially of managers, without requiring that level of technical detail that that I have had in the past and that my previous bosses have had in the past. Um, that path, I think, would look very different than what I and I guess everyone here has taken. But uh, I would say to to people, especially like product managers, I can very easily imagine the great product managers that I work with. Um, I can easily imagine them being my boss or the boss of, of other engineering managers. I, so I think the original question is what, I actually don't re even remember what the original question was. <laughs> <laughs> is the role different based on the company? <laughs> Thank you, Pierre. Wow. <laughs> what question am I, am I answering? <laughs> You're just continuing on the discussion. It's okay. <laughs> I guess I would just say that there are so many different paths to find oneself in a position similar to myself right now. And uh, no one single way is right. I agree with you. I, I totally, totally agree. And it's interesting for me to see also how differently the role is defined in different companies. I mean, we come all from technological companies. Uh, we are being engineers, we've been coding, and now we are managing other people that code or are engineers. So we have similar careers, but I've seen others that, as you said, they come from different backgrounds and it still works. I've also seen failures, honestly, not close to me, never from a manager that I had, that they were <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I've seen this kind of differences. You, you guys are lucky. <laughs> I, I had some really good managers, especially in Sweden, to be honest, but you know, I, not, not always in my career, I had some managers that, you know, were just, I mean, not managers, I guess, you know, it takes a lot of time to inspire and empower, you know, and to develop people and i think uh, you mentioned this interesting thing maybe you tobias or marcello about micromanagement and you know it is a terrible thing you know but i'm always careful with it because a lot of people that i see telling me oh i really don't want to micromanage or i want to avoid micromanage actually don't want to manage at all you know i mean they, I always notice that and I'm always careful. I'm like, wait, are you avoiding micromanagement or you don't even know what people are working on or working with, you know, and, and I definitely experienced some managers like that, that were just, you know, uh, yeah, that you might consider as good manager just because they were not bothering you at all. But is it really what you, you expect, you know, at least not from my part? I, I see your point, actually. I completely see it. And for me, there is a thin line because sometimes when you're involved, you would like to get involved into the details. And that's not what I would consider micromanagement. For me, micromanagement is when you give someone a task and then you continue to pester the person until it's done exactly as you want it, even if you're just giving it to someone else. But I have a very good experience. I went from managers that were completely like, you do whatever you want. I don't care. I trust you implicitly to managers that are more into the details and they are there to help. I mean, my current manager definitely has that kind of attitude. I am into the details. I want to help you out as much as possible. And it shows and I appreciate it. Uh, one has to try to find with one's reports also the kind of balance to say, yes, I want to help you, but I want also to help you grow. And this is a balance that I personally have also problems trying to have with my own reports. Yeah, that's a, I, I think that's a very good point that it's it's not only the manager style uh, that goes into it, but it's it's a combination and what the what the report might want also. Like in the beginning of this uh, 
in, in the beginning of my, my new role here, one of my reports told me that I just, want, I just don't want you to be in my way. So that's, that's, that was him communicating what he what level of uh, interaction he was comfortable with, and that's totally fine because some people want more interaction and want more hands-on coaching and guidance, and some wants wants you know more autonomy. So that that's totally fine. You have to adapt to the people that you're working with. And there is also a line between what one wants and what one needs. Sometimes sure. you might need to be a little bit more followed and coached rather than other people. Even if you think that you're ready, maybe you're not, but uh, it's a thin line and it's a very interesting judgment call. And I think that this is one of the things that will define how, if you would ask one of our reports, what do you think of us? They're going to answer, which is scary to me. But <laughs> that's, that's part two of this podcast. We've got everyone from your team on. <laughs> no, only joking. Don't worry. Um, I just actually have one last question that I wanted to ask um, that I thought of during the podcast. And we're hopefully going to end on a positive note. Um, but what are some of the best parts of your role and what you do at the moment? Why the rest was negative? I thought that it was good. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of anyone who is looking towards becoming a more management um, position or looking towards this at the end of their career. What are some of the best parts for you? So I, I can start if no one else wants. Um, so what I I really like to create stuff and makes make things happen and uh, build good technology and build system that makes you know a lot of value. And as a manager. As, as a programmer, I have eight hours during my day, which I can program and create value. As a manager, I feel like I can be involved in however many people I'm managing times eight hours per day. And the output of that is like, I, I get to be involved in so much more value creation and creating so much cooler systems. So for me, that's a, that's a huge benefit. Does that make sense? I can uh, go second. And we've already mentioned it a little bit, but to me, this this experience of becoming a manager has just brought so much. It has emphasized traits in my personal life that I hadn't really focused on in the past. Um, and I don't mean like I'm managing my my relationships now, but there is a sense of like how, what does honesty look like uh, and how to provide feedback to a friend or to my family. Uh, and I think that has really been inspired by the way that I've had to develop those skills as a manager to be effective. Um, so I'm really just enjoying and there's also certainly some negative sides to how work can affect your personal life, of course. But for me, uh, the positives of that have far outweighed what my expectations were of of those uh, bringing those traits to life in my personal life. Yeah, I can I can continue, but I think one of the things you said earlier, Cole, about introspection and connecting with people is definitely one of the uh, big positive things for me. I'm really. A, uh, people person like to meet new persons you know I feel I, it makes me better you know that I'm inspired and surrounded by so many you know inspiring engineers and I and I love that I, I love that it's now part of my job you know to do something you know I, I, I enjoy doing uh, in my in my life anyway and I guess also another thing I love is the team the team success you know I feel that when I implement something when I fix a bug you know when I get a feature I'm happy but when a full team does that you know wow like it it's like 10 times more emotion and uh, we got some great success this year we, we, with my teams and uh, I was yeah it really made me sincerely emotional so that's a that's a, a high I can say. I think that I agree with all of you and the idea of a broader scope is something that is very interesting to me, like having the possibility to affect on a bigger scale 
done as individual contributor is very appealing. I used to say that the technology is easy, people are difficult. I would now say that probably technology is easy, people are interesting. It's much more interesting to work with people and the fact that you also have problems sometimes. You have challenges with people that you're working with because you have to interconnect at a personal level and this is entangled with the work side. And this is not diff it's, it's more difficult to separate. If you have to give negative feedback to someone that you actually like, it is more complicated. You, you have to try to separate the two things and try to bring that to the table in a positive way and try to convey that it's not personal. But I think that these kind of balances and challenges are actually very, very interesting. Nice, I love it. Um, we've got some time. So does anyone else have any other final thoughts or any other questions that they'd like to ask? I guess, yeah, I can just comment on what Marcelo said about difficulty. That That's actually something I would rate, you know, on the good side of the job that it is difficult and and I, and I love it for that, you know, because I think it, uh, it forces me to develop, to learn and, you know, to be a better person is actually part of the job. So that's 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 also a positive thing. Yeah, I agree. Nice. Anyone else? Any other final thoughts? Oh, it was very nice to hear your opinions, guys. And uh, Definitely. Yeah, and Abby, thank you so much for putting us together. I mean, it was wonderful to meet uh, four new people and also just have you uh, facilitate and bring excellent questions to us. You're more than welcome. We'll leave the podcast there then. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast and I just want to take this opportunity to thank Pierre, Cole, Tobias and Marcello for providing your insights into the topic and thank you all to the listeners as well. If you would like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at abby.stokes at evolution-nordics.com. See you next time.